0: It doesn't really matter how old you are. It doesn't matter uh, what family you have come from. It doesn't matter where you have worked or where you are working. If you have lived for any amount of time, you have experienced someone spreading rumors about you. Whether it was in middle school and you told someone to something, someone that you didn't want spread they maybe started spreading rumors about you. Maybe it was on a football or basketball team or a sport, someone started rumors about you. And maybe, just maybe, half of the time, it was true. You didn't know what to do when someone told something about you to someone else. And maybe, just maybe, it was someone that you told in confidence. You maybe approached someone and said, hey, Don't tell anyone but, right? And you started the conversation. And then, and then, what do you do when you found out that they told someone? Maybe, maybe you get defensive, rightfully so. You get angry. For some of you, you might hide for a season of life. Quarantine was such a blessing for you. You just wanted to to dig yourself in a hole. And half of the time, half of the time, Maybe, maybe it's a little bit over. All the things that are being said about you are just not true. Have you ever felt like, ever felt like, someone was spreading rumors about you that weren't true? They had said things maybe about your character. They had said things about your family. They had said things about your work ethic. Oh. No, 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 no. They'll say things maybe about what you really care about. There are, no matter who you are, if we were to walk around and I was going to start asking you questions, hey, tell me, tell me what you get defensive about. What really gets your blood pumping? When you get defensive, what happens? What do you normally say? For me, um, I've, never, I've never gotten defensive, so I don't know what I do. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, my wife would say, because I, I asked her, I'm like, well, you know, what do I do? Uh, my fa- I get really, really hot. I start to sweat. And I start to say things that I don't remember that I said when I get defensive. If you were to say certain things about me, I would probably get defensive. It happens about two or three times a day. When you feel like, man, that is not true. And what do you do? What do you do? Like I said, some of you, you might uh, start to gossip about that person. Well, they made stuff up about me, so guess what I'll do? I'll do the same thing to them. Or what you may do is hide. You might kind of put yourself in a situation where you would say, man, I am not going back to that church. I am not going back to that small group. They said something that wasn't true. Well, today, as we talk in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, The Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, is dealing with something similar. Something that other people were spreading rumors about him and they were saying things that were not true. They just couldn't be validated, but nonetheless, people started saying it. And the worst part, the worst part, when people start to gossip or people start to say false things about you, you know, regardless, regardless, some people will believe it even if it doesn't match up with reality. So there are things that you and I do, and, and when and when someone attacks who you are, kind of this first point this morning, who you are, hopefully you can point to reality and let your character do the talking. Hopefully you are able to do that. You see, in this letter, Bruce uh, kicked us off last week covering the first chapter in 1 Thessalonians, And during this time, or when this letter was written, the Apostle Paul was someone who was extremely impactful. Uh, They would still say to this day, he is the second most influential person to ever live aside from Christ. He would show up in a town, and in this specific town, he would show up, he stayed for three to four weeks, just a month. He would lead some people to Christ, probably baptize them, he would set up some structures, and he would dip. And when he would, that means leave, I'm sorry, I've got to remember, audience. So he, he would leave the town, and when he would leave the town, um, he would write back letters. And this guy, this guy, showed up for one month and had tremendous impact. Think about this for a second. Who has had the most impact on your life? Spiritually, maybe relationally, maybe in your marriage, who, who would you say, if I were to ask you, who's influenced you the most? You would probably say someone who was with you through a long period of time. And the Apostle Paul, he shows up, it sounds like he has a couple of coffee dates, he leads a Bible study, and he's out, and they, they love this guy. I mean, he's just a monster in a sense. And he is writing back, and he is defending himself, because just like today, there is fake news. There is stuff being spread that is just not true. It's not new. It's not like it just happened in 2020 and we got to have video evidence and someone eyewitnesses and all these things. Just like in this time, the Apostle Paul, they are spreading things about him that are not true. Because just like when you trust somebody, when you have a, a connection with someone, if it is a parent, a leader, a teacher, and someone starts to say things about them, you will second guess that person. And the apostle Paul, in some way, this morning, in the first eight or in the yeah, the first eight verses in chapter two, he will defend himself. He will kind of say, Hey, what you're hearing is not true. And there are a few things today before we jump into chapter two. It really is a leadership or pastoral passage which is hard uh, to teach if you're not a pastor. You're like, how does this apply to me? I don't like leadership. I don't like leading anything. I don't want to lead anyone. And I don't really care about leading anyone, about anything, anywhere. If your boss or manager would ask you to lead something, you would quit. You don't like leading things. But in a sense, (laughs) leadership is just influence. That's all it's kind of boiled down to. And if you are breathing, if you are breathing, you have influence over someone. You do, if it is just your one son or daughter at home. If you are in a workplace and you would say, man, whether I am over or have to help or have to serve in this way, you have influence. Because hopefully, hopefully, if we were to look back over people in my life, I would say, man, I want to do the exact same thing that they have done for me. And even as we're going through, I got really three quick things that we'll look in this passage that. The Apostle Paul does. You might sit there and you would say, "Man, I've I've never seen that before. Man, I've never witnessed that before in a church. Or man, I've never." You might feel a disconnect. And what I would say is this: as we look at these things, all of these things that we'll talk about um, are things to strive towards. That no one, no one is really going to hold the baton and say, "Man, I'm really just killing it in every area that the Bible says about this topic." That you would say, "Man." I've not, I have seen that, I've not seen it done well, but maybe I would like to do differently. So, uh, in chapter 2, verses 1, we see a a leader worth following, or someone worth following. Number 1, if you'd put up for me, you know them, not just about them. So this is what he says. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know... We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So what he is saying is this. If you were to read Acts 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul and Silas, they would go on these journeys. People would uh, bring persecution. They would attack them. And he says, you yourselves know it is true that when we came to you, it was not even for our benefit but for yours. In a leader, Paul is saying that someone is worth following you know them not just about them that you don't just see their instagram story it's not someone just on a stage for 40 minutes a week that you would say i know that person that i i believe that they hear and they listen that you would know and the apostle paul starts off this letter or this portion in chapter 2 he says hey you yourselves you know our coming to you was not in vain we had boldness declaring to you the gospel of god And this next part that I want to pull on the screen, you would already know this to be true. Know this to be true, that their life lessons or a leader worth following, they are caught more than taught. Any person who has influenced you uh, for any period of time, uh, if I were to ask you if it was a pastor, let's say it was Pastor Bruce or Pastor Butch, and I said, hey, tell me their sermon last year at this time. Uh, we were in John for like nine years. It was probably, right? You, you wouldn't remember their sermons, or maybe some of you older folks, you say David Jeremiah, you know what I mean? You might say certain pastors that would minister to you, and I would say, tell me their points in the sermon. You forget by the time you walk out the door. Isn't that true? I do. I don't even remember what I talked about last week. And you would say, it's not necessarily what they taught, but it's what they did. That they were caught more than taught, that the Apostle Paul is pointing to his character and his heart and his motive. He says, you guys know this, that if you're hearing false things about me, make sure you remember how I actually treated you. And number two, he goes on in verses three uh, to six, it's more about pleasing God than you. He says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext or greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So a lot there in three verses, but something that uh, you need to see here is any person that is, whether it is a parent or it is someone seeking to, as a manager in your workplace, if they are doing well, um, and what you could notice is, hey, this is more than just about me that they are seeking to honor God or please God in any area that they are doing. Any person, any person that has had tremendous influence on your life, any person, they are more than just about you. They're about you and they want to serve you, but it's not just about you in that sense. And then he does this little phrase at the end which comes across extremely arrogant. Now, it's not arrogant, uh, but I I think it could come across. He said, we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. We could have pulled the title card. I could have said, hey, do what I said because I'm extremely important. Now, I'm not going to do a a word study on apostle, but just real quick, uh, there are 14 of them. Uh, They are people who saw and lived with Jesus. They saw the gospel take place. They are different than you and I. Apostles could do miracles. I mean, shadows healing people. I mean, they just showed up, and it was, at, it was just incredible. He said, we could have done this, but we're not going to. Why? Titles don't make great leaders. Character and caring helps make great leaders. You would know. You would know. Anytime your parents would tell you to do something, and you would ask the question, why? What would they say? Because I said so. Why? Because I'm the parent. I would say, why, right? You just, you'd ask because it wasn't enough for you. That when someone pulls the title card, it is literally the spot where you would sit and say, I'm probably not in the right place. When your boss had said, do what I said, I'm the boss, you would say, this is not the type of person I want to follow. And the Apostle Paul says, we're not going to do that. He's going to let his character and his heart and his motive to be a great leader or to lead them in this direction. That hopefully, hopefully, you are able to look back and say, hey, it wasn't perfection. It wasn't even necessarily doing it awesome all the time and saying the right things at the right time. But it was caring. It was someone who had the right motive. And pull up verses 3 to 6. We just had it on the screen, that uh, point too. When he says, we've been entrusted with the gospel not to please men. When, when anyone is trying to minister to people, they have uh, really two options in their head that they can do, or two path, pathways. They can either say, hey, I want to convince, I want to persuade, I want to sound extremely smart, I want to be the best, I want to do all these things, or they could say, hey, I just want to be faithful with God's word. I just want to tell them what God said. I just want to be entrusted with the gospel. I just want to share what God has told me to say. Paul would say this really in most of his letters in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, we didn't use plausible arguments. He said, we could have. He could have came across really smart. Those are the speakers you like, the ones you have to Google their words. You know what I mean? You, he said, we could have done X, Y, and Z. He said, but really, I'm just coming to you saying, hey, this is God's word. This is our appeal. This is where power is. This is where, this is something that doesn't change. And he says, it's more about pleasing God than you. Because just like everyone else you know, you look for a leader to be something or someone to be something they can't, right? If, if there is someone who has led you to Christ, if there is someone who has shared the gospel with you and really taught you the Bible for a long period of time, what happens? In a, in a good sense, you will feel connected to that speaker or that leader or that person in a good sense, but in a, in a bad way, what can happen? you will look for that person to be not your leader, but your Lord. That what they say, not no longer what God's word says, but what they say is most important. And just as a reminder here this morning, and I, I remind myself of this all the time, we have one leader, or one Lord, and his name is Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Everything we do, Everything we talk about, everything that comes from, everything that we are doing is all about Jesus. He is everything. He is top. He is number one. It is not about being impressive. It is not about being smart. Literally, the Apostle Paul is pointing to, hey, it is about Christ. I'm not pulling the title card. I'm not pulling that I served here for a 50-year card. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. He's saying it is all about Jesus. It is about God. Because just like in, when the Bible was being written, you look at Moses' life, you look at the Apostle Paul's life, they would look to that person and say, this is my Lord. That's why Paul wouldn't baptize anybody. Uh, Moses, he keeps kind of pointing away. And for us, when, when the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1.10, that I didn't come to you, or I, I'm not a servant of Christ to please man, but just to please God. If I was a servant of Christ, I wouldn't even have have signed up for this gig if it wasn't about pleasing God. It is solely and completely about pleasing God. Number three, in verses seven to eight. A a leader worth following cares about you and you don't have to guess. But we were gentle among you. So, let me just, there's there's a verse in Galatians 6. It says, you who are spiritual, restore a person in gentleness. In 2 Timothy 2.25, it says that a, a, a Lord's servant should do so out of a spirit correcting in gentleness. It is truly a requirement uh, for someone to either teach the Bible or to serve God to be gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own child. Why on earth would he give that illustration? That's weird. That is just goofy. I don't know. I mean, I know why, but I'm just, when I read that, I'm like, why are he using the nursing thing? Like, it is, it is a little strange that Paul would point to that, that illustration for him. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own child, so being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. So this is what he is saying. He's saying, I've led a lot of you to Christ. Maybe he baptized some of them, maybe not. Maybe he was there for them. But he said it wasn't just about being there for one moment and then kind of leaving them off to the side. He was there with them. He says in Galatians 4 that he said that he was with them or he is going to be with them until Christ is formed in you. And when does that finish? Never. Right, he is saying we are taking the long haul here. Now, pull up Isaiah 40, I think it's 49, that some people will say this, my Lord has forgotten me. Israel was saying this back to God, God, it feels like you have forgotten me, God. And then God says back, can a woman forget her nursing child? No. It's, It's literally an impossible variable. It says that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand, God says. That just like God was for Israel, that he cared for them, and you didn't have to guess, that there was never the thought in their mind that, I wonder if God loves me. I wonder if he cares for me. Paul says, never should be the thought that, you, that they would have about him. That never should cross their mind, I wonder if they care. Now, this is true. This is true. Um, 99% of parents believe that their child is in the top 1%. Let me say that again. 99% of parents believe their child is in the top 1%. So, and and this is also true, that every person needs cared for, but everyone needs cared for a little bit differently. I think that's how I phrased it if you pulled it up for me. Or everyone needs cared for in a way that is um, different, but caring is non-negotiable. It really needs to take place. And you would also know this that if you had two kids, or three kids, or maybe more, and you had the same parents, same environment, the same school, you guys went to Iwana's, you guys watched VeggieTales, they ended up very different, didn't they? And you as parents sat there and said, how? How is this the same blood? It doesn't even make sense to you. But caring is non-negotiable. Now, everyone needs cared for a little bit differently. Um, When I played basketball in high school, we had a coach um, our program was really bad until he came and he kind of fixed things up. But he was the kind of coach people would come to watch. I mean, it was, it was incredible. He would yell like nobody's business. People would seriously come to watch him. And I remember uh, after game, there was one lady who said to me, she was like, how do you play for him? How? She said, I can hear him screaming at you half the time. And I told her, that's my love language. I thought he'd give me a hug and he would yell at me. But for me, what did it show? It showed for me he cared. And him and, I, him and I still to this day have a great relationship. Even afterwards, we'd go out to eat, we'd hang out. Coach Schwartz and I still are very close. I needed cared for, but cared for differently. Would you pull up verses seven to nine? Um, or seven to eight here. Hopefully, hopefully, when someone is seeking to lead you or pastor you, They care for you and you don't have to guess. But because I know we are an imperfect church, I am willing to bet if you have been here for three weeks, three months, three years, or you were back at Springfield 25 years ago, there have been times we have probably let you down. There have been times where you thought we should have called and we didn't call. There have been times you thought we should have visited And nobody visited. There have been times that you thought, why have they not said anything? And and really on behalf of our staff and our leadership, if that has ever happened to you, it was not intentional. We probably didn't know. There probably was a miscommunication that we truly want you to know that we care for you. That we want to pray with you. That we want to come alongside in any troubles or hardships you have. But I'm willing to bet there has been times where you thought, they don't care. They just don't care. And that is not true. That is just not the case. And why does Paul, I think the reason why he brings up the whole nursing thing is because when a baby is in need... His or her mother is there when they, needed it, when they need them most. When they are hungry, they will provide that for them. Still to this day, if my daughter is in need and she is crying, she, the last person she wants is me. I will go in, I'll try, I'll rise. She's screaming and yelling. She doesn't want me. Why? Probably for a few reasons. I'm probably rocking her, like jumping up and down, like I got it. You know, I'm probably doing that. But there are other reasons that I wasn't there for her when she needed it most. That her mom has made a connection with her. And just like that, hopefully, hopefully, our prayer is when you needed it most, we were there for you. That when you needed somebody to care for you, it's not that we were there every day, but we were there on the days you needed it. That we didn't always call, but we called when you needed a call. That you don't have to guess, man, I wonder if they care because we do. We truly do. And how I would like to kind of transition here is I want to give five Real quick bullet shot points of you know you're following the right leader or you know you're being the right leader when this is true. Uh, Really some supporting arguments for this passage. Number one, um, they tell you the truth even when you don't like it. They tell you the truth. Can't tell you how many times someone telling me something I don't want to hear and I'm like, I didn't like any of that. He says in Galatians 4.16 that we told you the truth. Number two, you know you're following the right leader when they believe the best about family until proven wrong. It says in 1 Corinthians, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And when it comes to family in the family of God, there should be a sense of being naive and believing the best. I mean, I already know it. I already know it. Sorry for another baby illustration, but it's it's here. Um, I already know. I will be naive about my daughter. I, I already can bank on it. She'll be in middle school, she'll go on a retreat, she'll steal money. Uh, the pastor, youth pastor will call me and they'll be telling me how bad she was and I'll sit there and I'll be like she is a very good girl at home I just don't I mean I'll talk to her I hear you but I just I don't I don't believe you you're a liar right? I, I'll, I'll have that sense about I already know I will um, but there should be believing the best about family until proven wrong when someone says something about me to you hopefully or vice versa I would say let me talk with them that that is family. That that type of person who checks is the type of leader you want to follow. And number three, they lead you to Jesus and not themselves. It says Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone that we would present you mature in Christ. That any leader, and hopefully for you, you would say you'd be a spiritual pointer. They don't call people to yourself. There's no power in our words or your words, but we would just point and say, "Hey, follow Jesus." We just point point to Jesus. That when you walk away from talking with them, you would say, "Man." I feel like I should follow Jesus a little bit more. I feel like I should get in God's word a little bit more. They would point you to that. And number four, they understand you're a work in progress. It says in verse seven, they were gentle. That a leader worth following is is just like you would want. When they would look at your life and you'd say, hey, I saw you made a mistake, but I understand. I'm right here. I don't. Expect perfection. I don't expect you to nail it every time. I don't expect you to have 100 on your score. I'm here for you. They're gentle. They understand you're not a project. It's not about getting you to do something. It's simply just about being with you and walking alongside. And number five, they know any win is a team win. Anytime that anything takes place, they know there is no credit or power in anything they do. And hopefully, all of these, again, if you're not in any kind of management or anything like that, you would sit there and say, hey, I want to be this for my family. I want to be this for uh, the people I interact, as, at, interact with. I want to be this for my, for my kids. They know any win is a team win. And it says in Exodus 17, uh, 12, 11 to 12, Whenever Moses held up his hands, or his hands, actually, I'm going to need some props here. Um, Chad, will you come up here? Yeah, come on up. Nick and Max, will you guys come up here real quick? <clears throat> They're like, no, no, Other Max. Max is like, wait. Well. <laughs> okay, so, Chad, I want you to stand right in the middle, right here, and I want you to hold your arms up for me. Just hold your arms up. This is simple. Hold them up. Hold them up high, like you're at the Browns game. Okay, Nick, you can come here. Um, And just stand off to the side. Max, you can come sit on the other side. Now, I'm going to read this, but I don't want you guys to do anything. Hold your arms up, bro. Come on. I'm going to get you in the gym. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, take them down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. Put them back up. So they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Ur held up his hands. One on one side and another on another side. So his hands were steady. Don't don't help him yet. Hands were steady until they were going down. Now, if you notice, when we started, Chad's arms were straight, right? And because he's not Superman, they'll start to lower. They'll start to lower. They'll start to lower. So then what you have to do, go ahead and hold him up. Yeah, hold him up. Two hands. Help him. Help him out. So they'll hold his hands or his arms up to help him that he can't by himself win a battle or a war, they would say. Moses said his hands will be lowered. That he needs help. That it really, in this passage in Exodus 17, Moses, he can't do it on his own. It takes a team. You guys can go ahead and sit down. That was great. You guys, give him a round of applause. That was. They were so nervous about what I was going to make them do. But um, they would know that any win is a team win, that it takes more than just one. And hopefully, hopefully, you have somebody in your life that can hold up your arms or your hands. That there is someone that you are holding up their arms. And for me, uh, there would be three men specifically over the past five to 10, you know, since probably I was born. Uh, this picture, Craig, look at that. What a good looking guy. I told him, I was like, you're in for it, man. Um, Craig, I, don't, I mean, someone make this guy a model. Uh, you, that's, that's Pastor Butch, that's my dad, to me two years ago, and Pastor Craig. I would say over the past 10 years, they have held up my arms, It's not that they were there every day. It wasn't unrealistic expectations. They would be the first to tell you they weren't perfect. They would laugh at that idea and have stories to tell you. It's not that they always had the right answer, but it was that they were there. To simply hold up my arms. That times when I needed them most, they were there. Conversations where I'd be crying, they'd be right there along the way that they would sit there and say, hey, I didn't really do anything. I just prayed for you and wanted the best for you. And what I am asking, and hopefully you could ask as well, is who is holding your arms up? Or whose arms am I holding up? That hopefully, as I pulled up those three men, you would say, man, this person, it was my mom, it was my dad, it was my brother, it was someone that held up my arms. And I know for me, and hopefully you have this desire, that somebody would say, You held up my arms. When I needed you the most, you cared for me. You were ministering to me. You were gentle to me. And and trust me, if in any three of them, they would say there was times where it was rocky. I'll never forget when I was 20, Craig called me and just lit me up over the phone. I didn't even know if he was a pastor. I'm like, why is he yelling? You know, and it was it was what I needed. It was what I needed. Same thing for Butch and my dad. There was times where I needed a kick in the butt and they were there and there was times where I just needed to talk. I didn't need advice, I just needed to vent. Hopefully you have that in someone and you are that for someone. It says in Hebrews 13, I want to end with this. It says in Hebrews thirteen seven. it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider their outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith would you and i have faith worth imitating let me pray god we are thankful we are thankful for the bible how it ministers to us it helps us it guides us it reminds us and we are thankful for jesus that he came not to be served but to serve god would you give all of us a heart to serve And Lord, would you help us to be someone who is able to hold someone else's arms up? God, that you would help us to come alongside, to pray for people, uh, to be there when they needed it most. God, would you help all of us, all of us, to be the type of person who influences others well. Whether it is one person, it is ten, it is a hundred, doesn't matter at all, God, but would you help us to serve you?